I'm glad I'm able to be in church tonight. I'm glad I'm able to be in church. There's been, there's been days that I didn't feel like I was going to be able to make it. But today I've had a very good day. And um, I feel honored to stand in this pulpit. But after what we heard Sunday morning and then Sunday night, I really feel like I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. And I, I'm one of these guys that when I'm asked to preach, I say yes, and then later on I say, why did I say yes? Why did I do that? But when I was asked, I began to seek God and I asked God, what would you say if you stood in that pulpit tonight? I hope that I have the mind of God. I don't know what you came expecting to hear. A lot of people come to church expecting the preacher to say something that will solve all of their problems. And sometimes that's just not the case. I don't preach a lot of sermons on love or blessings. Drew and Shelley can testify to that. I preach a lot more sermons about God's wrath and God's judgment and events that are coming upon this world. Now you are here tonight. You know how to be saved, right? You are saved, right? So I don't need to preach about salvation and how for you to be saved. And you know about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know it's a gift of God. That God wants every born again Christian to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But, but what I have found missing in the church world is that we're not preaching to people about the things that are coming upon this world. Some time ago, God spoke to me. I was reading in the book of Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. These words were written, it said, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. This is a very solemn statement. God spoke it through. His anointed. Sometimes we call the book of Amos a minor prophet. But I want to tell you there's nothing minor about the message 
that Amos was delivering. And I want you to see tonight, this could very well be the very same statement that God is speaking to America tonight. I can't speak for you, but I know it in my prayers. I pray for those who are in leadership in Washington, D.C. I pray for the president and vice president and all of those who are in control. But then I pray for those who are in Little Rock that God would convict them of their sins. I don't know, the other night I was praying. All of a sudden I said, God, would you let conviction fall on people and let it be like the heat that we endure? People get pretty miserable in the heat. Now I said, God, let conviction fall on people and let it be like the cold. You come to our house and you might find me and Janice sitting on the couch covered up with a blanket because 77 degrees, we're still cold and we're miserable. And then I prayed, God, let conviction. How many know what conviction is? I mean, that's your conscience talking to you that you've done wrong. I said, let it be like humidity. Uh, how, how many loves this humidity in Arkansas? I, I'll tell you what. In the summertime, you don't have to do very much to perspire. Just breathe in and out, and you can perspire. I'm not that way so much anymore, but I've been praying God convict our mayor here in Greenbrier. Convict that city council. God, touch and save. Convict that school superintendent and the principals and the teachers that are teaching our youth that conviction would fall on them. I want to tell you, unless you're convicted of your sin, you'll never repent of it. Until you feel your conscience weighing heavy on you, you'll never repent. And until you repent, you cannot be saved. And I believe that the statement that Amos made could be the same statement that God is speaking to America. Because I will do this unto thee, America. Prepare to meet thy God. Hmm. If you will go into the book of Amos and we'll read, you will find that God made many attempts to bring back Israel to Him. They were backslid. They'd become idolatrous. They'd forsaken the laws of God. They had turned to idols that neither could see, hear, move, feel, touch. And they worshipped them. And God, after many attempts to bring Israel back, through many judgments, Amos declared this word. If you will read, you'll find that in Amos, he showed there's eight different judgments that God had sent to persuade Israel to come back to him. I wonder how hard is the heart, how stiff is the neck that we can live through judgment 
after judgment after judgment. Eight times Amos declared that God had tried to bring them back. I listed them here. The cleanness of teeth indicates that there was a famine in the land. They had no food to eat. And then God withheld the rain from the land. And then He blasted the land with mildew. Sent palmer worms to destroy the increase of the land. And sent pestilence and killed the young men. Took away their horses and made the camp to stink. And He overthrew some. When I read that, I began to think, when I was reading of the exodus of the people of Israel, I remembered that the people who rebelled, God just split the earth and swallowed them up. When they murmured and complained, God sent fiery serpents among them. And each time, the fear of God would fall on them. Each time, they would repent. Then I remember that Aaron and Miriam got the big head. And they said, God don't just speak by you. He speaks by us too. Next thing you know, Miriam is covered with leprosy. How hard is our heart tonight? How stiff is our neck? That we are unrepented. Here Israel had suffered through all of these things. And yet they refused to submit themselves to a loving God. You know, there comes a time when that loving God is going to pour out His wrath and His vengeance. I know that many in our world do not believe that's going to happen. They think God is a God of love and a God of mercy, and so He is. But if you read the Bible, you'll see that He is a God of wrath and a God of judgment. No wonder He said through Amos, prepare, just prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. How many things must God allow to come out? Our way to get our attention, to cause us to repent, to cause us to dedicate to Him, to submit our will to Him, to be obedient and live the life that God wants us to live. It is immaterial, my will for you. It is immaterial for pastor's will in your life. But you cannot disregard nor disrespect the will of God in your life. Because God is going to get your attention some way. Somehow, God is going to get your attention. When the church world sees that God is trying to change us and cause us to return to Him, What will it take for us to return to the fullness of God's Word? I don't want to tear out the blessing part. I don't want to tear out the good things that God wants to do for us. 
but I don't want to ignore his warnings to me. I want to know the fullness of the word of God. I want to live according to his standard. The other day, my grandson just turned 12 years old. He said, Papa, I had a dream about you last night. And I said, what was it? He said, last night I had a dream and I woke up crying. He said, I dreamed that you had backslid. I don't take that lightly. I did not disregard him. You see, I have an adversary who is the devil, who is walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. From this pulpit, I have said it. No one is immune. No one is saved until they reach glory. You listen to me. You can be saved today, but you can let a root of bitterness spring up in your heart that will cause you to reject God and turn your back on God. One thing after another can come your way until you forget God. I'm telling you, I'm praying, God, you take me home before I backslide. Uh, I said, well, what made you think I was backslid? He said, I saw you at a carnival. I said, I guess you're right. I don't go to carnivals. I don't go to circuses. I don't go to movies. I don't go places. I have have an intense desire to stay away from that which is wicked, evil. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be involved with it. And so I try to stay away from those things. Eight times God said, come back to me. And he gave judgment and they refused. Dake had this to say. From the fact that all these judgments did not cause Israel to turn back to him, God concluded that there was only one thing to do immediately. That was destroy them as a nation and scatter them among the Gentiles. Do you know this has been several thousands of years ago and it was only in 1949 that Israel was established as a nation among the nations of the world. I want to tell you when God does work we better pay attention. When God says prepare to meet thy God we need to hear what he said. It was T.D. Jakes I first heard say get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. But I can tell you that God was not saying it in the same manner that T.D. Jakes said it. T.D. Jakes was saying get ready for a blessing. Get ready for an outpouring. Get ready for God to bless and move you up. But here, God is saying, get ready to meet thy God. And it is not a God of love and mercy at this time, but it is a God of judgment. God is preparing his wrath for those who refuse him tonight. Our nation is not a godly nation. Sitting on the couch the other night, there's a little banner across the screen on the television. And it used the F word. How evil is our nation. 
they don't, they don't stop. They're given an inch and they continue to take miles. I want you to hear me. Our nation is an evil nation. We're a nation of God haters. They don't want his word posted in the post office or in the school. They don't want it in the courthouse. They don't want God and his name mentioned anywhere publicly. We're a nation of God haters. We have rejected God. We have rejected his word. I can tell you they can change the constitution. But they cannot change the word of God. This is still the word of life. And it's God's word. And tonight this nation has rejected that word. And now we're standing before. For a righteous God who has anger. We've rejected his word. We've rejected his ways. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Do you agree we're in the last days? Do you agree that these are perilous times? I believe that. They shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And Paul's advice was, from such turn away. Can I ask you, do you see these things in America? Do you see these very same things in the church? In the people who claim to know God, who claim to be His people? They are disobedient, they're unthankful, they're unholy, they're truce breakers, they're incontinent, they're fierce, they're despisers, they're grumblers, they're gropers, they're backbiters. They have a form, they go to church, they pay their time, they do what, whatever, but they have only a form. They're denying the power of God to change and transform their lives. From such turn away. Isaiah said in 520, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're living in that society tonight. A nation that permits the murder of the unborn. I don't want to stand in judgment with this nation. I want the blood of Jesus cover me. God is angry about the millions of babies that have been aborted in this nation. We're a nation that hates God. We're a nation that murders the unborn. We're a nation addicted to drugs and to alcohol and porn. And it's getting worse by the day. Even the law enforcement has no hope of ever, st ever stopping crime in our nation. We're just trying to control it. Can't stop it. The gays are now filling the pulpits of America. God, help me. Is it any wonder we're in trouble with God? 
It's one thing to be in trouble with your husband or your wife. I get in trouble with Janice just every little bit. I don't hear. I don't know. I don't hear what she says. I do the wrong thing, and, and she gets after me. You know, I get in trouble all the time. Nobody else may ever have that problem, but I have. And I'm not worried about her. She's not in control of my eternal destiny. I don't want to be in trouble with the God of heaven who can take my life and then take my soul and cast it into hell. I want to tell you, I want to get on the good side. Stay on the good side of God. I don't want to see His wrath. I don't want to hear His judgments upon my life. But that's where we are in America today. Not only the politicians, not only the athletes and the entertainers, but even church members have an attitude that we can do whatever we want to do. We're entitled. We're living and breathing because of God right now. We're not entitled to live our life the way we please. We think we have the right to abandon God and never have to suffer the consequences. That's not truth. I want to tell you, we can profess being Christians, and I see them all the time exalting themselves to a place. They feel like they don't have to live by the Word of God. They don't have to listen to the preacher. They can do whatever they please. But I want to tell you, one day they're going to stand before a just God Prepare to meet thy God. Can you hear that voice tonight? Prepare to meet thy God. And when you meet him, he's going to be in all of his glory and all of his righteousness. And you're going to stand there as you are. It will be too late to change. And if you're one of those who think God won't visit America like he did Israel, you are mistaken. God judgeth the righteous. Did you hear? One place it says, judgment begins at the house of God. God's word said, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where does that leave the unrighteous? I said earlier, you guys already know about salvation and healing and the baptism. You know about the rapture and the good time we're going to have with God. So I don't need to preach those things. But I want to bring to your attention there's almost 8 billion people on this earth. The great majority of them do not know Jesus. And they're going to suffer the consequences of sin as well as those who have rejected Him and walked out of church and failed to serve Him. Hmm. An old time preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon titled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I read it one time off the internet. Nine or ten pages long. But they say that when Jonathan Edwards would preach that, people would stand and grip the 
pews till their knuckles turned white. He preached it so strong, so hard. He'd tell them you're dangling over hell and there's only a thread holding you out of hell. I want to tell you, though that sermon's been preached hundreds of years ago, it's still the truth today. Who is not afraid of an angry God? A God who has all power. Hebrews 1031 said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. There's not going to be a lawyer who's going to get you out on bail. There's not going to be a lawyer able to convince God to let you go without judgment. It's going to be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And we have a responsibility to let this entire world know that Jesus is their own only hope. How does America escape the judgment of God? It's exactly the same as it was hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. God requires men to confess their sins and to repent and to turn away from their sins. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, probably everyone in this room can quote it. God was talking to Israel <laughs> through Solomon. Solomon prayed, and God replied, and he said, if my people, now some people don't agree with me, but I believe if there's sin in your life, you're not God's people. But at that time, Israel had no grace. They were living under the law. But God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and will pray and will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want to tell you, there's a cure for drug addiction. There's a cure for alcoholism. There's a cure for men and women who have hatred in their heart, sin deep in their soul, and that is still the blood of Jesus Christ. It'll wash you whiter than snow and there's no shortcuts to getting saved if you're not sorry you can say the sinner's prayer all you want to but you're still a sinner I didn't get a single amen say that sinner's prayer but if you're not sincere God knows it if God knows that you're not going to turn from your wicked ways, He's not forgiving your sins. There's no shortcuts. Programs and games and entertainment is not what the church needs to bring America back to God. We need another Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> we need men with boldness. Who'll stand and say sin is going to be punished by eternal death. The gift of God is eternal life, but the wage of sin is death. We're working for our death. 
it still takes anointed preaching to bring true conviction. I should have told you about my prayers about conviction right here. I, I, pr- I pray tonight, everybody watching on Facebook, I pray if there's sin in your life that you'll feel conviction just like you feel humidity and cold and heat. I want you to be so miserable you can't sleep or eat. I want God to save You must be willing to do it God's way. And if we, the church, want a harvest of souls, we must first have revival. We cannot just be the run of the mill. To me, that's what the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the doctors of the law were in that New Testament. They were just run-of-the-mill church members. God wants His people to have revival. And revival comes from preaching and praying and worshiping God. You feel like you're on your way down, on your way out. Then you need to pray. You need to worship the true and the living God. You need to fast. You need to get a hold of God. That's exactly what happened in Nineveh. When Jonah went there, they fasted and God let them be revived and spared them. Mercy was extended. Amos said, therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare. Get ready. Get ready. Be prepared. Be ready. Get ready. One place it said, Stand upright. Oh, my. The word meet in this verse means encounter, accidental, friendly, or hostile. Prepare to meet thy God. Meet God, an angry God at the wicked. I I don't want to meet God on unfriendly basis. I don't want to meet God when he's having a bad day. No. I want to meet God when his grace and his mercy is flowing in my heart and in my life. I don't want to have an encounter with God when he's ready to pour out his judgment. When he's ready to pour out his wrath. He's the one who's able to do what he says he's going to do. I want all of my encounters to be with God in a still, small voice. I want want to hear that still, small voice. Or else I want to hear the mighty rushing of wind like it was in the day. That's the kind of encounter I want God. Gideon had an encounter with God. He was hiding, thrashing wheat. And I want you to know when God began to speak to him, he called him a man of valor, a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of valor. He didn't show it. No one saw it, but God saw what he could be. God spoke to him and said, thou mighty man of valor. I want to tell you, God still knows what we can be and what we can do. 
We want to meet God on these terms. God spoke to Joshua and said, Be of good courage. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I want to tell you, if God was with Moses, with all those mumblers and complainers, and all the things that happened, then he says, I'm going to be with you. That's the way I want my encounters with God. It's not too late for America. Not yet. God still has the power to forgive. He has still mercy. He still has love. Isaiah 59, 1 said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But it's really up to you and to me and to the people of this nation. If we're willing just to let it go on, God is going to judge us just like he did Israel. Would you stand with me? Father, I stand before you. I am liable for what I have said, what I have spoken. These who have heard are now liable. They know somewhere in their future Oh, God, they know somewhere in their future they're going to have an encounter with you. And if they're not right, if they're not ready, if they're not prepared, if they're not washed in the blood, their name written in the Lamb's book, it'll be an angry God that they will encounter. Those who have watched and heard on Facebook tonight, God, they're now responsible because they know even though you're a God of love and mercy and grace, there is coming a time that we will see the wrath and the anger of a living God. Forgive me, Lord, if I have failed you, I pray. Would you please find yourself a place to pray and seek the face of God? This nation needs to be turned. This city needs to be turned to the Lord.